It is great to be back together with you this morning. Let me go ahead and answer a question you may have in your heart and your mind. Many have asked already. No, the answer is I did not bring the Arctic blast back with me. I want to uh, thank Kobe and Kyle for doing such a great job for preaching God's Word the past couple of weeks. I know God blessed you through them. We have such a fantastic leadership team of elders, pastors, ministers, and deacons. I'm excited about what God has planned for us this year. God is doing amazing things in and through our church family. Let me share one quick example with you this morning. Back on October 8th of last year, I shared an update with you that we were behind in our budget giving as a church by $129,838. On November 19th of last year, I gave you a second update that we had cut the deficit in our giving down to $87,891. I have great news to share with you this morning. God eliminated the deficit in our giving by your obedience to give generously to him through the end of the year. Go, God, go. That's a great testimony. Go, God, go. Say that with me. Go, God, go. What a great testimony. We saw a 20% increase in our giving over the last quarter of the year. As we continue to give generously to God this year, we will reap God's blessings and we will fulfill all that God wants to do in and through us and all our ministries. God is at work in our lives, our marriages, our families, our relationships, and our ministries. And God's work in us is best for us and those around us. God's work in us is so that his glory can be seen through us. Jesus reminded us, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but instead on a lampstand, and it gives light to everyone who is in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. God wants your life and my life to point people to Jesus. All throughout the week, wherever it is we may go, God wants our lives to point people to Jesus. This is not a perfect church. I am not a perfect pastor. We are not a perfect people, but we have a perfect God who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, in you, in me, in our ministries, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father God, we thank you right now this morning for all that you have done in our lives. We thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And God, we can't wait to see all that you have planned to do in and through our lives this year. God, as you guide and direct our steps day by day, Father, would you empower us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, and to follow Jesus. 
For it's in his powerful name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the start of the new year means it's resolution season. The top resolution for the new year, according to many different studies, in this year is focused on fitness. Many people resolve to exercise more and to eat better so that they can lose weight and get physically fit. Resolutions, especially fitness resolutions, are difficult to keep. The gyms and the fitness centers are most always packed full in January with lines to get to where you want to get to. But there's open space and plenty of room by, Jan- by February. This morning, believe it or not, I saw a testimony, an example of discipline in regards to spiritual fitness, as far as regards to physical fitness. Because when I got here early this morning, kid you not, there was someone jogging through our parking lot this morning, early this morning, and they were actually able to get out good morning. And I was amazed. That's discipline. When we talk about resolutions and we talk about the new year, discipline is oftentimes what is lacking. The desire is there, but the discipline is often not as much. And I'm starting a new series this morning entitled Fit Faith. We are going to identify some godly spiritual disciplines that will help us get in shape and stay in shape spiritually. As followers of Jesus Christ, we all know and understand that we're ministers for Jesus. So these godly spiritual disciplines will also help us help others in our congregations to get in shape and stay in shape spiritually. Thankfully, the desire and discipline we need comes from God. Paul told us it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. God gives us the desire and strength to live his way, to be who he wants us to be, and to do what he wants us to do. God empowers us to have a fit faith as we humbly surrender to him and follow him day by day. So if you brought your Bibles with me, open them to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We are going to move into this passage just one of the, as we launch out into this new sermon series. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. Luke traced the start and spread of the New Testament church in the book of Acts. The spread of the New Testament church, as we all know today, continues... Today, as we and other followers of Jesus go and make disciples of all nations, as we continue to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave to us. So in Acts chapter 4, and I want to give you a quick background uh, of where uh, we are in Acts 4 so you'll know what's going on and what's happening as we get to this passage. So let me just really quickly summarize what's happened before in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus gave some final instructions to his apostles and followers before he ascended into heaven after his resurrection to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus told them that God would empower them to be his witnesses 
by sending his Holy Spirit to them. He told them that they were not going to be left alone when he literally left them and ascended back into heaven. In Acts chapter 2, God did exactly what Jesus told the apostles and followers that he would do. God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in his followers, his believers at that point, in Jerusalem. The apostles began to speak and teach in tongues or the languages of all the different people groups that had gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost so that they could hear and so that they could understand the good news of the gospel in their own language. Peter preached one of the very first sermons in the first church in Jerusalem. The topic of his sermon was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus as the only way to God. Luke told us that many people believed in Jesus. They placed their faith in Jesus. They were baptized in obedience to Jesus. And that first church in Jerusalem at that point in time, which had about 120 members, added 3,000 new members in one day. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, a couple of the apostles, they're walking and ministering and teaching and preaching, and they healed a lame man from birth by God's power at work and alive in and through them. The lame man rejoiced. He was healed. The crowd of people were amazed. And so Peter and John took the opportunity once again to share the good news of the gospel with the gathered crowd. And some of the people in that crowd believed in Jesus, placed their faith in Jesus, were baptized in obedience to Jesus. And Luke told us that the first church in Jerusalem grew to well over 5,000 people at that point. Acts chapter 4. We make our way into Acts chapter 4. And the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the priests, the chief priests, the Jewish religious leaders, they confronted Peter and John in particular because they were annoyed with Peter and John. The reason they were annoyed with them was because Peter and John continued to preach Jesus Christ risen and exalted. They continued to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so finally, these religious leaders had Peter and John arrested at night. They were arrested, they were held over in the prison through the next day, and then they brought them out the next day to question them. And so Peter and John were brought before the religious leaders, and they were questioned about the healing of the lame man that they performed. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 4 now, Luke's writing, and I'll begin in verse 5. The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, 
For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in the name of Gen. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. One clear and obvious point that we see in this passage is a very simple point. Peter and John were spiritually fit. Peter and John were spiritually fit. We will discuss how they developed their spiritual fitness throughout this sermon series over the next several weeks. The disciplines they put into practice in their lives to develop their spiritual fitness are the very same disciplines we need to put in practice in our lives today so that we can develop spiritual fitness. What we know and what we see here is spiritual fitness helps to produce effective witnesses for Jesus. Spiritual fitness helps to produce effective witnesses for Jesus. This was true for Peter and John, and this is true for you and me today. So let's look now. Let's take this passage apart and let's look and identify some characteristics of a fit faith. The first characteristic I want us to see here is a spiritually fit Christ follower has the wisdom to believe in Jesus. The wisdom to believe in Jesus. If you notice, you see what Luke said, that he described Peter and John as uneducated and untrained men according to formal rabbinical perspectives. However, Peter and John annoyed and amazed these educated, trained rabbis by their wisdom. Peter and John had the wisdom to believe in Jesus, the wisdom to believe Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, the wisdom to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the wisdom to believe faith in Jesus is the only way to God, the wisdom to believe God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Solomon told us in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, that wisdom comes from God. In Proverbs 2 and verse 6, Solomon wrote, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. James, 
our New Testament friend, agreed with Solomon, our Old Testament buddy. And James said, if any of you lacks wisdom or needs wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. God loves to give you and me wisdom. God gives us wisdom by his spirit in us. God gives us wisdom by his word before us. God gives us wisdom by those he places around us to speak into us. God gives us his wisdom from his word so that we can live his way. He gives us his wisdom so that we can live as wise, not as unwise people, making the most of the time that God gives us because the days are evil. He gives us his wisdom so that we can walk by the Spirit and not the flesh, and thereby we will not carry out the desires of our sinful flesh. God loves to give you and me the wisdom we need as we ask him for wisdom. And a spiritually fit Christ follower has the wisdom to believe in Jesus. We are wise to believe in Jesus. We are wise to believe Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. We are wise to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We are wise to believe faith in Jesus is the only way into a relationship with God. We are wise that God is faithful to fulfill his promises to us in his word. We are wise to believe God will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We are wise to believe God is able to make all grace abound to us so that all times in every way, having all that we'll need, we'll be able to abound in every good work. We are wise to believe that God will make our path straight as we trust in him, lean on him, and think about him. We are wise to believe that God is near to the brokenhearted and he crushes and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. We are wise to believe God's eyes are on us and his ears are open to our cries for help. We are wise to believe that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that we can run to and find safety. We are wise to believe that God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor, and no good thing will he withhold from those of us whose walk is blameless. We are wise to believe we can cast all our cares on the Lord because he cares for us. We are wise to believe God hears and answers our prayers according to his will for us because that is what's best for us. We are wise to believe in Jesus and to believe in the truth of his word and how his word fills us with wisdom so that we can live his way and love his way day by day. A spiritually fit Christ follower has the wisdom to believe in Jesus. Second point we see is a spiritually fit Christ follower has the power to do great things for Jesus. Peter and John, Luke made it clear, were filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit to heal the lame man. The religious leaders asked Peter and John, by what power or in what name did you heal the lame man? In other words, how did you do what you did? We can't figure it out. How did you do it? And I love Peter's response. Peter gave a fantastic response beginning in verse 8. Let's look again at verses 8 through 10. Then Peter was filled with the Spirit and said to them, rulers and people, uh, the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel 
Shout it from the mountaintops. Put it on the front page news that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. Notice the wisdom in Peter's answer. He gave all the credit to God, took none for himself or John, and he also noticed how well he gave this answer because notice he also included the key points of the gospel, that Jesus Christ was crucified, buried in the tomb, and he rose again and is alive today. As followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in us at salvation. When God saves us by his grace, he places his Holy Spirit in us. At that moment, we as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. We are filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses for God and to do great things for God. Jesus told us this in Acts the first chapter, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you bring my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we know God empowers us, you and I, as followers of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And a spiritually fit Christ follower not only has wisdom to believe in Jesus, but a spiritually, spiritually fit Christ follower also has the power to do great things for Jesus. God empowers us on a day-by-day basis to do great things, such as to comfort others, to encourage others, to help others, to listen to others, to love others, to meet others' needs, to pray with others, to pray for others, to serve others, to tell others the good news about Jesus, to offer wise counsel to others when they're going through challenging times to live as a faithful witness before others so that they can see Jesus in us and be drawn to Jesus through us. You see, as we get in shape spiritually, we find ourselves able to do great things for God, not because of us or our power or our knowledge, but because of God and his wisdom that he is pouring into us through our time with him, and his power that is alive in us, that is able to be seen through us, we are able to do great things for the Lord. And we're able to do exactly what Peter did and shout from the mountaintops that it's not about us, it's the Lord God Almighty and his power at work in and through us that is allowing us to do great things for those that God places around us. We see a third point here, a spiritually fit Christ follower also has the boldness to speak the truth about Jesus. I find it interesting that Luke told us that it was the boldness, the confidence of Peter and John that stood out the most to the religious leaders. It was their boldness, their confidence that stood out the most. Peter and John boldly spoke the truth about Jesus. They boldly spoke the truth about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They boldly spoke the truth that salvation is found only by God's grace through faith in Jesus. So the question that I have that comes up real quick as I'm reading this passage, I'm thinking through, 
this passage is how did Peter and John gain this boldness? How do they gain this boldness to speak the truth about Jesus? And the answer is simple. Peter and John boldly spoke the truth about Jesus because, number one, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But number two, they knew Jesus was alive. They knew Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. They had spent 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection of Jesus, dialoguing, listening, ministering, being taught by Jesus. They were bold because they knew this Jesus who they were proclaiming was alive. We can boldly speak the truth about Jesus because we too are filled with the Spirit and we too know Jesus is alive. We know Jesus died on the cross in our place, paying the price for our sins. We know Jesus was buried in the tomb. We know on the third day, Jesus rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and for me. We know the tomb is empty because King Jesus is alive. We know we receive forgiveness of sins by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. We know that we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We are victors in Christ Jesus. We know the Holy Spirit of God has taken residence us as followers of Jesus. We know greater is he who's in us than he who is in this world. We know for there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We know God's grace is sufficient for us. We know God's power is perfected in our weakness. We know God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. We can speak boldly the truth about Jesus in love with gentleness and respect so that others can hear and understand and receive the truth of the gospel from us. God wants us to boldly speak the truth about Jesus and God empowers us to boldly speak the truth about Jesus as we trust and obey him day by day. This is what we see from Peter and John and the apostles and all that God was doing in Jerusalem and how it overflowed from Jerusalem and spread into the world and it's still continuing to spread. The New Testament church, the good news of the gospel, God's work of redemption is still continuing today. His kingdom purposes continue and we are now at bat. You and I, it's our turn. And so it becomes clear for us. If we're going to do all that God calls us to do, if we're going to follow in the footsteps, if we're going to follow the example of these men and women who have gone before us, then we must make sure that we get in shape and that we stay in shape spiritually by God's power at work in and through our lives. The fourth point we see here is a spiritually fit Christ follower has the courage to keep on following Jesus. Peter and John were threatened by the religious leaders. Luke told us the religious leaders threatened Peter and John to stop preaching and teaching, to stop speaking to the people in the name of Jesus. Peter and John again gave a great response. I love the response you see in verses 19 and 20. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God 
For us to listen to you rather than God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. The religious leaders' orders were opposed to God's commands. What the religious leaders were threatening of Peter and John would have required disobedience to God. Peter and John courageously obeyed God. They respectfully disobeyed the religious leaders. God wants us to courageously follow Jesus. God wants us to preach, teach, and share the truth about Jesus. God wants us to live for Jesus day by day. God wants us to love others like Jesus day by day. God wants us to lead others to Jesus as we go about his work. And God wants this for you and for me, just as he did with these believers. Peter and John, he wants the same from us. But God also wants us to obey the governing authorities he places over us. However, if the governing authorities over us require us to violate God's commands to us, the right decision for us is the same decision that was right for Peter and John. And that decision is we obey God and we accept whatever consequences come our way. We are able to courageously follow Jesus by God's power in us. Our power is not enough. It's God's power at work in us. Peter and John understood this. We understand this. We are able to courageously follow Jesus by God's power that is alive and at work in us. Now, I want you to see, let's look at three points that courageously following Jesus will result in in your life and my life. These are three things that we can see and we can count on. If we're going to courageously follow Jesus, these things are going to happen. Number one, courageously following Jesus draws attention. As God, you see it's in this passage, we continue to see it all throughout the New Testament, all throughout Scripture. As God displayed his power in and through, in this example, Peter and John, as God displayed his power in and through Peter and John, we see that people were drawn to Peter and John. God's power was on display in them, and people were being drawn to them. People were being drawn to Peter and John and to the other apostles. Some were coming out of curiosity. Some were coming for help. Some were coming to hear truth and what they were teaching and preaching. Some were coming to them to shut them up and to shut them down. As we follow Jesus in our day-to-day lives, as God displays his power at work in and through our lives, it will draw people's attention to us. This attention will come to us as individuals, but it will also come to us as a church family, as we minister in the place God has us, to all those around us. Now, this attention opens the door for us 
as individuals, as families, as a church family, this attention opens the door for us to tell others about Jesus. It's exactly what Peter and John were doing. As the attention came to them, as folks came and gathered around them, friends or foes, they continued to point folks to Jesus. They continued to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They continued to follow Jesus. They continued to minister to those God was bringing their way. Courageously following Jesus draws attention. Courageously following Jesus leads to opposition as well. The second one we see is there was opposition. The religious leaders were opposed to Peter and John. They were opposed to them. They were threatening them. They were trying to get them to stop what they were doing. We know later, as you continue reading in Acts, they actually arrested them again, and this time they beat and flogged them while threatening them to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. The lost world we live in today is living in rebellion against God in opposition to him. Thankfully, Scripture tells us, Jesus in particular tells us, that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have been chosen out of this world by King Jesus. Jesus also told us that if we were of this world, the world would love us as its own. However, we are not of this world. He said, so it hates us. And so as followers of Jesus, and I'm sure you may have quite possibly seen this in your own life, as you go about ministering to the congregation God's placed around you throughout the week. You may have seen this more and more here over the past year or the past few years. I don't believe it's going to stop. I believe it's going to continue and escalate more and more and more. And what I'm talking about is you may have seen this truth that we see from the scriptures becoming real in our lives here as we go about what God calls us to do, and that is we will face opposition as followers of Jesus as we boldly live for Jesus. We're going to face opposition. We're going to face ridicule. We're going to face even persecution. It's literally happening around the world to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Many brothers and sisters in Christ losing their lives for their faith in Christ. Clearly, obviously, that's not happening here within our country at this point. But what we see in Scripture, we've seen throughout history, we continue to see it today. And that is, when we courageously follow Jesus, it's going to lead to opposition. These folks weren't happy with Peter and John. And as we courageously follow Jesus, you may very well see and begin to understand that people won't be happy with you. They won't be happy with me. But we know and understand, as these brothers and sisters did in the first church in Jerusalem, we can rejoice because Jesus Christ overcame, which means we can overcome. We can overcome by his power at work in us. And so we know as we courageously follow Jesus, we know it's going to draw attention. It's going to lead to some opposition. But we also know like courageously following Jesus will bring comparison as well. Two of the most amazing, spectacular, awesome verses 
in all of Scripture, I believe, are found right here in this passage. Two of the most fantastic verses in Scripture are found right here in verses 13 and 14. Luke wrote these words, When they, the religious leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, the Sadducees, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. That is an awesome, awesome couple of verses. Amen? This is unbelievable. Watch now. Watch what Luke is saying. As the religious leaders observed everything, these religious leaders, they were amazed and astounded. That means they were marveling. They were astonished. They could not believe what they were hearing. The religious leaders were amazed and astonished at the boldness of Peter and John. Listen, this is what you call a mic drop moment. This is checkmate. This is game over. Turn out the lights. It's time to go home. God silenced the opposition against Peter and John. The religious leaders had nothing to say to Peter and John because the healed lame man was standing with Peter and John. And so as the religious leaders in this scene, imagine this scene, as they're standing there, as they're amazed and astonished, as they're processing this scene, as they gather together to discuss what on earth they can do to maintain their power, to maintain their control, to shut down this growing church, as they got together and processed the scene, the only explanation that they could come up with for what they were seeing for what was happening, the only explanation was Jesus. That was it. They said, Peter and John, they've been with Jesus. They don't have education. They don't have training. So what they're saying doesn't make sense. From a typical standard of measurement, their boldness, nothing makes sense. Because they equated all that from education and training. And so they got to the point where they realized, well, the only thing that makes any sense is they recognized, they remembered that Peter and John have been with Jesus. As we follow Jesus, as God displays his power at work in and through us, what God wants is the lost world around us to look at us and to be able to say to themselves, after seeing and hearing us, after observing us and how we live and how we work and how we speak, 
and how we interact with others. After observing us, God wants those he places around us to think and say to themselves, they follow Jesus. That's the only way that I can make sense of what's going on. That's the only way that explains how they respond to the ways and the things that happen to them, the ways they respond and how they interact with one another. They, they know Jesus. The greatest compliment that we could ever receive is to be associated with Jesus. The greatest compliment that we could ever hope to receive in our lives is for folks to recognize that we are followers of King Jesus. What does God want from us this year? What does God want from us this day? What does God want from us this week? What he wants is for us to have a fit faith. He wants us to get in shape spiritually and stay in shape spiritually so that his work can be displayed in and through our lives his power his glory can be seen so that others can be drawn closer and closer to him so that we can become more and more like him you see spiritual fitness helps our witness for Jesus spiritual fitness helps us to do good works for Jesus spiritual fitness helps us to live for Jesus and love like Jesus spiritual fitness happens by the power of Jesus, alive and at work in us. Spiritual fitness happens as we surrender to Jesus and spend time with Jesus day by day. So let's renew here this morning our commitment to get in shape and to stay in shape for Jesus this year. Let's renew our commitment this morning to get in shape and stay in shape so that we can help our brothers and sisters in Christ and those God places around us to get in shape and stay in shape spiritually. And let's be sure that we don't go another moment, another hour, another day into this new year without receiving God's gift of salvation by placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's going to come and they're going to lead in this time of prayer and this response to the Father. And I want to encourage you as our prayer partners are going to come and they're going to stand here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you, pray over you if you have a need, care, concern that's weighing you down that you brought in. We would love for you to to come and allow us to pray for you so that you can cast it at the Lord's feet so that you don't carry it out with you. God may be calling you to go and to minister to a brother and sister here that you know is going through a challenging time, maybe to go and encourage them, to pray for them, to pray with them. This is our opportunity to respond to the Lord in obedience to the truth of his words spoken by his Holy Spirit to you and to me. God has spoken to us and he is desiring a response from us. Maybe it's just simply to grab the hand of your husband, your wife, and to come and kneel, or maybe just to kneel there where you're seated and just to pray together and to renew together as husband and wife that this 
new year will be a year where you commit, renew your commitment to staying in shape spiritually so that God can continue his work in and through your life, making you more like Jesus and using you to be a minister to those he places around you for Jesus. This is God's time, our opportunity to respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and say yes to the Father.